everyone. Welcome to the Light the World podcast. And I'm your host, LT World. If you're new to this podcast, on this channel, I look at cultural issues or different topics like that. And we look about look at the history of the background of the topic. We look at kind of like both sides, what people say about it. And then we uh, I, I give you kind of my take on what I think makes the most sense. So we try to be we try to be as fair as possible and we try to really learn on this channel about these different topics like gender theory or um, trail race theory, stuff like that. Um, and so, yeah. And now today on this episode, we're going, I'm going to be looking into the history of the Democratic Party. Now, the reason why I wanted to talk, do this was one, I just kind of want to talk about uh, the political parties within the United States, particularly kind of explain their history, kind of explain what they both believe so we can have a more thorough understanding of our political parties within the United States. Um, and this is also, I'm doing this for over the course of about a month because I did, if you follow me on Instagram, I did tease out there a little bit that I'm working on a second season for this channel where I'm going to be focusing more on the God debate. So I'm going to be focusing a little bit, more, I'm going to be focusing a lot on the God debate. Does God exist? Does God not exist? What does that mean for culture? Um, what does that mean? I'm going to be trying to make, I'm going to be looking at the arguments for and against God. And I'm also going to be looking at how does that impact us on an everyday basis? Sometimes it can seem like what is the importance of religion? What's the importance of God's existence? Whether or not he does exist, well, who cares? Um, so I'm going to be talking about kind of just th that topic and relating it back to culture. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun, but I'm working on that right now. And also I'm going to be moving here shortly. And so everything, anyone who watches the videos or is, uh, watches me on YouTube, um, this studio, this setup is going to be changing. I'm going to be moving, and I'm going to be hopefully setting up even a better-looking uh, setup down the road. But as of now, that's kind of what we're doing when we're talking about kind of political parties trans um, as uh, before we move into the period about religion. I mean, about um, the God debate, theism versus atheism. So if that sounds interesting to you, definitely subscribe, definitely follow along. You can follow me on Instagram, you can follow me on Twitter. And you can also subscribe to my YouTube channel. I post special stuff on there. So only people who are subscribed to my YouTube channel will get updates on certain videos that aren't available on the podcast. So if that intrigues you, definitely check it out. Um, the YouTube channel is LT World instead of Like the World. So just throwing that out there. Um, but yeah, so without further ado, let's jump into it. So the history of the Democratic Party. Now, the reason why I want to start with the Democratic Party, um, for those who don't know, is that the Democratic Party is the oldest party uh, that's still around. It's ordered in the Republican Party. So um, that's why I kind of wanted to start with that party. I want to start with the oldest party and kind of how things got started. So first of all, the Constitution doesn't say anything about political parties. And some of the early founders weren't really found fans of them. For instance, George Washington was opposed to the ideas of the creation of political parties. Um, he definitely didn't want there to be like opposing political parties, really. He he didn't like the idea. He wanted to avoid it, and it had a lot of correlations with, um, the, you know, the the parliament in Britain. So he didn't like that. A lot of people didn't want that. But due to the nature of democracy, I mean, and public policy, it naturally formed. I learned a lot about this in a class I had in college about political party formation. So there is this idea with democracy that people want to come together under some core tenets to help. Uh, raise their chances of getting voted in and to cater to the public. So therefore, political parties kind of form just out of necessity. But how did the Democratic Party specifically get started? Well, glad you asked. So obviously you had the Revolutionary War where um, America becomes independent. 
Now it's like, okay, what type of government do we form? A lot of debate about how we form this government. George Washington became the first president, stuff like that. But we had kind of the preliminary parties who were the Federalists, which included George Washington, John Adams, Alexander Hamilton. And the Federalists favored a strong central government and a national banking system. And a lot of this was masterminded by Hamilton. Uh, now, anyone who is a fan of Hamilton, the, play, the musical, uh, they might have some idea of kind of the history of this a little bit. But so the Federalists were big fans of more strong central government, national banking system, all that stuff. But then in 1792, uh, you had supporters of Thomas Jefferson and James Madison who favored a more decentralized, limited government. And they formed kind of the opposite faction that would become known as the Democratic Republican Party. So you had Thomas Jefferson and James Madison who helped start, along with some others, helped start the Democratic Party that kind of opposed this Federalist vision of the world. They thought the Federalist vision uh, would lead to tyranny again. They thought it was too oppressive. They didn't like the idea of a strong central government because that's kind of what they came from. The Great Britain was a strong central government. They thought this would lead to oppression again. So in 1792, you had this uh, new kind of rise of the Democratic Republican Party. But as the as Thomas Jefferson became president, as the um, as this party grew in popularity, and as the Federalists kind of lost some of their popularity, uh, you see the Democratic Party start rising up in favor. So more people favored the Democratic Republican Party over the Federalists by the 1800s, and presumably a limited decentralized government was more appealing than a strong centralized government after escaping the clutches of tyrannical monarchy. So as I... Uh, it didn't take long for the Democratic Party to really trounce the Federalist Party, and by the 1800s, it was the dominant party. It was the main party getting voted in, main party controlling the Congress, because they just escaped from Britain not that long ago, where it was a strong monarchy, and they wanted to have nothing to do with that. So, obviously, decentralized government sounds a lot better than centralized government when you just came from a highly centralized government. So the Democratic Republican Party was the favorite party at the start of the 1800s, which then leads us to 1824. So since the Democratic Republican Party was so popular, four candidates in the party ran for president in 1824. Andrew Jackson, up against three other candidates, which included John Quincy Adams, won the popular vote and lost and lot and lost and a lot of electoral votes. However, there wasn't a clear clear electoral. Ah, my bad. So Andrew Jackson. Up against three other candidates, which included John Quincy Adams, won the popular vote and a lot of electoral votes. However, there wasn't a clear electoral majority. So the House of Representatives, representatives then decided to give the presidency to John Quincy Adams, which Andrew Jackson wasn't going to take sitting down. So you see, in 1824, to help kind of prevent, um, to help prevent Andrew Jackson from becoming president for the Democratic Republican Party to really have a strong sway. Uh, you had people vote in John Quincy Adams, which I think was a Federalist. Yeah, so John Quincy Adams was uh, known or acknowledged as kind of a Federalist. And so in 1824, when this, the House of Representatives voted in John Quincy Adams, this caused a lot of uproar because people liked the Democratic Republican Party. They were starting to lose favor with the Federalist Party. And this caused quite a bit of ruckus, especially within Andrew Jackson's caucus. So then in 1828, you had another election. So with the help of different political figures, especially New York Senator Martin Van Buren, Andrew Jackson helped form the Democratic Party in 1828, easily winning the presidency. So here you go. So you had the formation of the Democratic Republican Party in the 1792 with Thomas Jefferson and James Madison. They really grew popular because of its decentralized platform. 
uh, so in the early 1800s, but you wouldn't really see the strong political shift until 1824 when Andrew Jackson made the Democratic Republican Party really popular um, among the people. Um, so in 1828, you see a clear Democratic Party come in to coalition under his under his reign, I guess, or under his, uh, his presidency. So then, fun fact, I, I do want to throw out here um, after, he also easily won the presidency, but I want to throw in a fun fact here. The donkey that represents the Democratic Party has a lot to do with Andrew Jackson. So the donkey in the Democratic Party logo is said to derive from Andrew Jackson's opponents, calling him a Jack, yeah, you fill in the word. And so the donkey is both another word for uh, uh, the Jack, yeah, it's both another word for a male donkey and a nickname that describes an unintelligent or foolish person. So instead of disputing this nickname, Jackson sort of embraced it. So Jackson got kind of called a donkey for most of his uh, uh, presidency by a lot of people, and he sort of kind of embraced it. And then eventually in 1870s, an influential political cartoonist called Thomas Nass helped popularize the donkey as a symbol for the entire Democratic Party. So it wasn't really an official symbol until the 1800, later in the 1800s, but this is kind of what started it. Uh, Jackson really embraced the whole image of being a donkey, being a real stick stickler, uh, really sticking it to the government, really sticking it to the rich people, all that stuff. He was really known just for not giving a care about what people said about him, and that's why people liked him. Um, and eventually that became sort of the symbol of the Democratic Party. Just side note, fun fact, how that kind of originated. But in the 1800s, early 1800s, the Democratic Party's core beliefs around this time period uh, were as follows. So the Democratic Party was known for its support of limited government, decentralized government. Democrats were against a centralized banking system. And it also, importantly, supported slavery. Southern states were mostly Democrat and wanted to make sure the new states in the West became slave states. So you had the introduction of the Democratic Party on the tenets of decentralized government in the, early, in the late 1700s. Early 1800s, you had the rise of their popularity, which led to the 1824 where Andrew Jackson really made the Democratic Party famous because of his coalition in response to the House of Representatives voting about in 1824. And then you had the strong stance on slavery, that slavery should be allowed, slavery should be legal, and it should be continued on indefinitely for the South because a lot of South were Democrats supporting states, and so therefore they had an incentive to maintain slaves. But... Obviously, many Democrat slaves eventually broke off from the United States and joined the Confederacy. However, after losing the war, they lost a lot of political power, losing every election in the 19th century during the Reconstruction era following the Civil War. So the Democratic Party, up until the Civil War, pretty much won every election. They, they pretty much dominated politics. They were the ruling party um, because the Federalist Party was lost all popularity. Uh, the Democratic Party was pretty much the primary party in power. There was some other parties like maybe cropped up and stuff, but pretty much the Democratic Party just dominated up until the Civil War. And so the Civil War really crippled the Democratic Party because the Southern states, afraid of losing political power, left the United States Union because they didn't like how the West was expanding and becoming some free states, some slave states. They didn't like how they, they were losing a political advantage because the North was becoming increasingly... Uh, intolerant of slavery so they broke off but after breaking off and after suffering a war and after suffering a lot of loss um, the democratic party suffered a big blow and would slowly lose their hold on 
politics, on the national politics at least, because this is when the Republican Party started gaining some popularity uh, with the people. But nonetheless, the Democrats still solidified their predominantly Southern coalition and helped defend Jim Crow laws and also pitted themselves against Republicans by defending conservative views and agricultural rural people and hating big business. However, following the Reconstruction era, when it became apparent that the country was changing its general opinion in regards to social issues, the Democratic Party realized it would need to evolve. So you had the Civil War. After the Civil War, the South still kind of formed a coalition again under the Democratic Party. They were like, hey, we're sticking to what we know. And so they really started to fight then again for Jim Crow laws. They started to fight for segregation, even though slavery was being outlawed, even though slavery was no longer allowed, quote unquote. Um, they found ways to justify their racism, to justify their slavery tendencies. And so therefore, they still formed this strong Democratic coalition in the South in order to fight for their their beliefs and again this was more of it was more than just slavery they were also just they didn't like big business republicans were associated with big business a lot of money um they the democrats defended agricultural land they defended farmers so they really fought for farmers rights which then a lot of the republicans are fighting for city rights and so therefore they were the South was primarily uh, plantation, so therefore it just made sense that they would coalesce, they would they would come together because they just shared a lot in common. But this would only last for so long because the general population of the United States would eventually change its views on slavery, eventually racism farther down the road, and so therefore the Democratic Party was going to eventually have to pivot, and it wasn't really realized until in the 1900s, but we'll get there. So let's first go to 1896. So in 1896, as a Democratic nominee for president, William Jennings Bryan advocated for an expanded rule of government and ensuring social justice. Though he lost Bryan's advocacy of bigger government would influence the Democratic ideology going forward. This is the History Channel that I pulled this from. So this is just kind of to reflect that the Democratic Party was eventually going to have to pivot. Uh, because if you would say Democratic Party now, it's completely associated with completely opposite things. Um... So, therefore, there was this point of shift. In 1896, you kind of see the first hints of it with Williams, Jennings, Bryan, who, even though he didn't win, he kind of reflected what the Democratic Party was going to, was going to change into to a certain extent. Um, but it wouldn't be realized until, as I said, the 1900s, which leads us to the Great Depression. So, as the Democratic Party was slowly becoming more progressive in response to the early Civil Rights Movement and Reconstruction Era, a major shift in power occurred during the Great Depression. So after the Civil War, you had the Republican Party who dominated most of politics. So Democratic Party dominated up until the Civil War. Civil War hits. Republican Party comes in in response to slavery. Republicans dominate for most of politics following the Civil War and Reconstruction era because they are against slavery and they support big business. And at that point, the country was doing really well economically. 1920s, everything was booming. Everyone was happy. Things are going great. But when the Great Depression hit, people blamed who? The Republicans. They blamed the Republicans for the crash. So therefore, Democrats came back into power um, following the Great Depression. And the Republican who served when the Great Depression hit was Republican Herbert, Herbert Hoover, who was president during the stock market crash. He represented a party that presumably represented urban areas, wealthy businesses, and powerful socioeconomic class, who happened to also lead the nation into abject poverty. So the populace rescinded by voting in Democrat FDR in 1932, Franklin D. Roosevelt. So this is kind of where the shift in power begins. And this is kind of also where a shift in Democrat beliefs and how they would 
move forward in politics also started to shift. So during FDR's era, the shift began that would eventually make the South more red and the North more blue as agricultural land in the Midwest also became red and urban areas blue. FDR started to centralize the federal government to help recover the economy, minimum wage, new federal government programs, and giving the federal government more power. Having been supporters of decentralized government, supporters of confederacy over federal power, the South started to turn red in response. So, Great Depression hits. Everyone is doing poorly in the economy. FDR, trying to counter this, is starting to pump money into the economy. He's not doing the best job of it, but hey, economics wasn't well studied uh, in this point. Really, the Great Depression really actually shot forward the study of economics and made it more popular down the road. But he's doing what he can, and what he tries to do is make more federal programs. So he makes the minimum wage program. He starts to introduce a lot of different other programs. He introduces Social Security. So he starts to introduce a lot of federal programs and starts to really centralize the power. Well, the Democratic Party before this point was known for being decentralized. They were the party of little government. They were the party of confederacy. They were the party of no centralized government to, or at least a minimum of centralized government. And that's why they formed a confederate nation in the first place because they didn't like the big national government. They thought it was a bad. So this change then obviously angered a lot of the Democratic constituents and the fact that a lot of things that FDR was doing would eventually also impact social change, which obviously meant um, giving black people more rights or w women more rights as well. This was a problem. This was not well liked. And since it also seemed to be supporting and benefiting cities, since FDR was trying to pump money into the cities and pump money into big, big into businesses, because that's where the money comes from, it seemed like he was going against farmers and agriculture and he wasn't supporting them as much. The South was getting mad. They didn't like that because they're farmland. They still wanted to support their Jim Crow laws and stuff like that. And they didn't like the fact that the government was getting centralized. They didn't like it. So they started to uh, respond by voting for Republicans. They started to vote more for Republicans who, seeing the need to fulfill um, these, to, to, to grab these constituents and get more power, started to cater a little bit to what they demanded. And this is kind of where we see the shift in, pol in politics starting with after the Great Depression. And so you have what well, we was you have Harry S. Truman, um, who would have served, I think, after FDR. He served in 1945 to 1953. So you had Harry S. Truman, then also a Democrat, who started to pass civil rights laws and gained a lot of black votes, which enraged the Deep South voters, and many retaliated by voting for Republicans, who also largely, largely support civil rights, but were becoming more conservative and proponents for decentralized small government since the crash, after which they faced backlash. So Harry S. Truman started to push for civil rights laws, and he was a Democrat. And civil rights laws were obviously in favor of black people and not in favor of racist Southerners. And so a lot of these uh, Deep South um, voters were like, we're getting centralized government from the Democrat. We're getting centralized government from the Democratic Party. We're not getting any voting. We're not getting anyone who's supporting us in our Jim Crow laws and segregation. We are losing our uh, support for the farms and agricultural land, and we're getting a lot more. Uh, I guess you could say progressive uh, candidates. But uh, the Republicans at this point, since they failed, since they were correlated with the Great Depression wanted to lose that image, so they started to focus on the working man. The Republicans started to focus on the working man, started to focus on the agricultural land, the farmers. They started to focus more on, like, no, decentralized government's better because they wanted to completely change their image after the crash. They didn't want to be associated with the Great Depression anymore. So they wanted to change face, change image, and they started going down that route. 
it's important to note that the Republican Party never did support um, slavery, nor did they support the Jim Crow laws. I mean, obviously, there might have been people within the caucus that would have been racist stuff. That's not my point. But primarily when it came to policy, they didn't pass anything in support of Jim Crow laws or slavery and stuff like that. But they were decentralized government. And the Southern voters were like, we may not get anything on the civil rights side of things that we want to see. But at the very least, we can get decentralized government. And therefore, we'll vote red instead of blue because we're not getting anything from the Democrats to help us. But the red will at least give us some of what we want, even if it's not everything. So you kind of see the shift in the 1950s with Harry S. Truman. In the 1940s, 1950s, with Harry S. Truman starting to introduce civil rights movements, starting to introduce more centralized government policies, which then leads us into the 1960s and 70s, where a lot of politics was still changing at this time. So the 1960s and 70s also changed the political face of America because many southern states were saturated with conservative Christian homes that opposed abortion. And since the Democratic Party started supporting abortion and Republicans in general didn't, many southern voters also started supporting Republicans for that However, many northerners and city dwellers were much more supportive of such progressive reform. So this is just another note to make about why you see this political shift. So you had the South who started voting red because of decentralized government for and also because they didn't like how the Democratic Party was moving more to a centralized government. But they also had the abortion issue. So in the 1960s and 70s is where Roe versus Wade comes up and some of these in the topic of abortion starts to rise. And in the North... A lot of people were supportive of it. In the city areas, a lot of people were supportive of it. That's where the Democratic Party was representing a little bit more at this time. But the Republicans were against it. And a lot of the South were more conservative, uh, Baptist, Christian, uh, you know, conservative, evangelical, Christian homes or religious homes. And they were against abortion. And since a large portion of that population was in the South, since there was a large population of them in the South, again, that was just another reason for them to vote red instead of blue. Just a, a note to make. But then eventually you had Ronald Reagan who got voted in. And up to the point of Ronald Reagan, you had the Democratic Party mostly dominate. So you had, after the Great Depression, the Democratic Party dominated for most of politics leading up to Reagan. I think there was a couple Republican presidents in there, but most of them were Democrats. But once Reagan got voted in, um, as a response to some of the policies, some of the progressive policies that were getting passed that people didn't like, and because of some economic reasons, stuff like that. When Reagan got voted in, this is kind of the beginning of what we see now. So following Reagan's conservative Republican office, the political parties have been going back and forth for decades to come, maintaining similar values and beliefs that we see today, without any party seeming to hold on an overwhelming dominance over the other. So Reagan got voted in, and he's kind of established the traditional Republican standpoint on things, and that's kind of what Republicans have been standing on since Reagan, so since the 80s, roughly. Since the 80s, the Republican Party has remained pretty similar in their beliefs and stuff. There's been, obviously, different topics that have come up um, because times do change. But in general, Reagan is kind of the beginning of the modern-day Republican Party. And then, likewise, the Democratic Party is kind of what it was. What, um, since the 80s, have been very similar to what they have always kind of supported. Some may argue that they've become more radicalized or more uh, leftist since since the 80s with um, the introduction in the early 2000s with gender theory and stuff like that. Um, but in general, this is kind of where we see the parties kind of just stand, establish their modern day beliefs and modern day tendencies. And that's how we kind of, this is kind of where the start of our understandings and concepts of the parties come from. But that is kind of just the history of the Democratic Party and kind of the 
introduction of general politics, general general political party politics um, in America as a whole. And hopefully that kind of gives you an understanding of the political shift and why we are where we are today. And next episode, I'll talk a little bit more about the Republican Party and just a little bit of history from their angle. Um, and then eventually we'll jump into what does each party believe and why did they do it? Um, so yeah, look forward to that. And hopefully this guys, hopefully this was helpful for you. And if you want to hear more of this and you want to tune in, uh, definitely subscribe and follow on whatever podcast channel you're listening to this to and check me out on Instagram and Twitter and check out my website, ltworld.info. And now friends go out there and light the world.